I'm Bree. I'm Mar. And I'm Alexis. And this is Journeys to Journos, where we share our journeys to becoming journalists and talk to the people we've met along the way. Welcome back to episode four, guys. I'm so excited. So, you know, all three of us are at jobs that we really enjoy and are really proud of. But in order to get here, we had to do a bunch of, you guessed it, internships. Yep, guys, we are finally talking about internships. Yeah, we felt like it was the perfect season. Everyone is applying now for the summer. And for the three of us, our experience in internships was kind of what started the idea of this podcast. That's kind of our wheelhouse. We've all had a slew of them, whether it was at CBS, NPR, NBC Washington, Forbes, a bunch of different places. And we kind name of drop, feel like name drop, name drop. <laughs> we're going to be proud of ourselves, okay? There's no we have reason to be proud of ourselves. Yeah, there's no reason to be shy about any of this, right? Like, we've had a great time. We've done cool things, and ultimately, it's gotten us to where we are today. Yeah, and you know, throughout our internships experiences, we've stumbled and succeeded. So we just felt like this would be a really good way to put our heads together and give you the best advice and anecdotes from our experiences to try to help you get through your journalism internship process. It's, you know, only the advice we can give from our perspective and from our experiences. Everyone's will be different, but we just hope that this podcast will be helpful to you. Totally. Let's get started. Yeah. So I think we kind of wanted to kick this off talking about unpaid versus paid internships. It's kind of like the first step in the process when you're looking at them. This week in particular, there was a little bit of a conversation, a heated debate on Twitter that popped off. Basically, So frustrating. Yeah. Annoying. Basically, someone put out this tweet, and I'm not going to give it a lot of air, but they were like, I got in my career and I got to where I am because I took three unpaid internships and I double majored and I had this and I did that and that's how it got me to where I am and like all these kids today need to realize like you have to put in the work. Congratulations so for congratulations for doing the most, sis. Do you it's want not even award? doing the most and it's not something you should be proud of. Like you literally got taken advantage of and I get that was a different time twenty years ago, but there is no way anyone can afford to do that. And I think that both of you can kind of talk to that a little bit. Well, I think what's really unfortunate is that there is a way for people to afford it. It's just not everyone. And in the case of this person who tweeted this, I'm sure it was something that her and her family were able to get done. And I think that's why I was really frustrated when looking at this tweet on my timeline last week was I felt like she wasn't understanding that a lot of unpaid internships for journalism, which at the start of your career kind of like expected is really hard for low-income students that really can't afford to sustain themselves during it and I would say you know a perfect example I've interned at a few places uh, during undergrad but in order for me to get to like my dream internships at like CNN and CBS and all those big places I had to start small and I had to you know get my foot in the door and in order for me to do that I was um, interning at PBS potentially my first summer after freshman year. Alexis remembers I was so scared staying behind in DC <laughs> alone, everyone moving back home. But in order for me to do that, you guys, I had to make a GoFundMe <laughs> in order for me to make my first internship happen. And honestly, it was. But you did it. Like, even to this day, it's kind of like embarrassing to talk about, but it's mm. so real because. I remembered having that conversation with my mom and she was like, listen, mamita, 
<laughs> like, if you want to do that, that's great. But, like, we can't afford that. You know, we can't afford to support you financially while you're not getting paid for 40 plus hours of work a week, you know, and when you're at an unpaid internship, it's really hard to get part time employment to sustain yourself because you're spending so many hours being at an unpaid position. So, yeah, it's it's really it's it's hard. It's it's really hard. And I had a, I also had an unpaid internship for my first internship that that same summer, that freshman that freshman year summer. Um, but I kind of made the the opposite decision where I was like, OK, I can go home and do this unpaid internship so I can live at home and then also still, uh, you know, work unpaid. But the whole issue with that was they asked me to come in full time and I had to tell them no because, I, you know, I'm essentially volunteering my time to you and in order to support myself and even be able to afford the, the train pass to get down to New York City to do this internship, I still had to work part time. So they got whatever hours that um, my my little part time job didn't have, and I did, and I did a couple part time jobs. I was working at AutoZone and interning with like a PBS production company, and it was such a flip. But that's what I had to do to you know start that process and get my foot and get my foot in the door. But fortunately, the internship after that was NPR, um, and I loved my paid experience at NPR. It was a really really great summer. I, the, the internship itself was fantastic. I really like to program. I know people hype up the NPR internship a lot, but I had such it's an amazing- It's the blue background headshot for it's, me. <laughs> it's, it's always the blue wall headshot. And I had <laughs> probably one of the most amazing photographers take that. And the tiny desk. And the tiny desk. I'm going to talk about tiny desk. I will, if you want to hear more about tiny desk, you have to hold on to the end of the podcast. I'm sorry. But I want to hear about it. That's the best. That was 10 out of 10, the best part. I'll tell you all the cool people I got to see. It was a great summer. Um, but even though it was still a fantastic summer, it was still hard trying to live in this major metro area um, on, you know, an internship, on a minimum wage and internship pay and, and make it happen. Like I had to split a studio apartment and my parents were helping me with bills. Like they were supportive of me doing this, but it definitely wasn't, it was definitely hard to do it all on your, on your own. But it was worth it. Yeah, I think that's definitely one way that people talk about getting your foot in the door is like being willing to do anything and throwing yourself out there at whatever cost. I think there are also other ways that mm -hmm. if people really don't see themselves being able to go into that position and do whatever that takes, there are a few other things that hopefully people can do to get their foot in the door. For example, I'm always someone who says, you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. It's a quote from Steve Jobs when he gave this speech to college graduates. And it's a crazy thing to think about because when we look back at our journeys, there are all the little dots. And I think for me, that first dot was making a connection with someone who I knew was going to maybe, maybe, maybe down the line help me get an internship somewhere else. And I'll tell this story. I was sitting in a class and a guest speaker came in. She was a professor in our college and she was the managing editor of this newsroom that they ran out of our school. So she came and spoke to us and we were sitting in the room and she asked, who here works in student media? Does anybody work at the Eagle? And that was the campus newspaper that I was a part of. And I raised my hand. I was the only person in the room. And so she and I were going back and forth in a conversation in front of this class to be able to like relay the experiences that I had working in student media 
fast forward, I emailed her after the class and I was like, it was great talking to you. Six months later, she was hiring a position in the newsroom that I just mentioned. And that was a way for me to get my foot in the doors to talk about my experiences at student media and to be able to say like, I'm qualified. You remember me from this class. I talked to you about this. Here's my resume. Here's my application for this job that I was slightly underqualified for. But that for me was putting my foot in the door, making it known that I was a part of this organization that I felt gave me the experience and the clips that I needed to prove myself with. And she remembered that and it became a big part of our interview. I emailed her, like I said, after the fact. And it's always so important to follow up and put in that time and make yourself known for whatever that is. And for me, in that example, it was student media and it felt really important that I wanted her to know that and let her know that I wanted to be involved in the work that she was doing. I think that's such helpful advice, Brie, especially again, when you're thinking about like your end goal of where you want to end up, you have to like remember that it, it does take these like baby steps of being willing to get engaged with what's in front of you at that moment. And so if it's getting engaged with your, you know, college campus's newspaper or magazine or news station, it might not be CNN, but I promise you doing the work there might get you to CNN one day. And I would say, you know, one of my biggest advice in terms of getting your foot in the door is to believe it before you get there. And I know that that sounds like super cheesy, But it's super true, especially in this industry, I think, and in most industries, like imposter syndrome can be so real. And when you're just starting off and you're Brie and you're making these connections with your professors and you have a few bylines, you know, at the college paper, it could feel like you're, you know, so far from where you want to be. A perfect example of this was our sophomore year of college, Alexis and I got press passes to cover a local DC festival. This was our first kind of like gig that wasn't on campus, so we were super excited. And so we came with our we came with our notepads and we came with our everything ready to go. And I remembered there was this instance where um, Alexis and I were kind of trying to network a little bit while we were there. There was a lot of impressive press people there. And uh, while we were talking, Alexis basically mentioned to someone, yeah, we're aspiring journalists or we're student journalists. And I remember being like, Alexis. And like I pulled her aside and I was like, while we are here, we are journalists, period, full stop. We are not going to present ourselves as up and coming. No, we're on the job and we know how to do it. And that was I felt like a really pinnacle change and like a moment where I envisioned it for us. And I felt like us presenting ourselves as what we saw in the future was how we were going to get there. We weren't going to just keep staying in that I'm just an aspiring journalist, student journalist mentality. And so when you're, you know, getting your business cards and you're making your portfolios and your websites, you need to have that mind frame and that belief that I am a journalist that can do it and can do it well And other people around you will start to believe it, including people that are interviewing you for these internships. Absolutely. I still love that piece of advice that you've given me. And I use it today. I give that piece of advice to anyone else who is interested or applying. And um, it's it was just so helpful to really reframe my own mindset that 
I am who I want to be because aspiring was just thinking about it but you know being a journalist was showing up and doing the work and doing the work is really important especially when you are applying for jobs because you there's the competition out here is fierce there are so many interesting and amazing candidates and you are one of them but you have to make sure that you know other that other people that the that the hiring managers or whoever is going to read your resume can see you know all the best things about you as well remember your resume and your cover letter are your first impressions so you have to make those count and you can be creative it doesn't have to be the stiff boring thing like we are in media we are in this really interesting and creative field of telling stories creatively so you want that to translate to how you're going to present yourself my resume is pink because pink is my favorite color. My resume is pink, I love it. my cover letter matches, my website matches. I'm also a graphic designer, so I like color obsession is like totally my thing. But I but because my resume is a really standout color and a really standout look, people stop and pick it up. I can't tell you how many times I have gone to a job fair and handed somebody a bright pink resume and they look at it twice and then they call me back. It makes, it, I'm not saying that your resume has to be pink. I'm very, an advocate for that. But, uh, you know, make, make, your, make yourself stand out in whatever way you can. Um, whether it's your resume. Stop writing, getting the normal Canva template for stop it. a resume. I promise you recruiters are seeing the same one. So get creative, like Alexis is saying. Yeah, please don't don't if you if you're using a Canva template, I promise you somebody else who was applying also used the Canva template. At least change the color or the pattern or something. Make it feel like you because they're hiring you and you are special and important and creative. So, you know, make that available. And one other thing with um, resumes and cover letters, uh, make it accessible. Make sure you have somebody else read it. Like if you are including links to things, please double check all your links that they work. Um, and make, and, you know, make sure you have, if, if you're applying virtually to something, make sure your PDF has links straight to your website or straight to LinkedIn. Like, you know, don't make it, don't make anyone do extra work to hire you because they have to do work to look at everybody who's applying. So if you make it the easiest, they're going to be more interested in, you know, looking at you. Alexis, thank you so much for giving such valuable advice on resumes. I feel like we could honestly make another full episode of just advice on that so um definitely just stay tuned in in general for our podcast we'll definitely be like addressing more tips and tricks but now that alexis gave us ways to apply now you made it you made it to the internship you followed alexis's advice your resume (laughs) was stellar and they want you to intern with them but how do you thrive once you get there because that's really what it is is taking the opportunity and squeezing it for all it's worth. I'll say my biggest thing that I take away once I got my foot in the door was making sure that I talked to everyone possible. And I think when you're an intern and you're first starting off, it could feel really intimidating. You're like, you're not even at the bottom of the totem pole. You're like below it. (laughs) And so it could even be stressful to like talk to like an entry level person or whatever the case may be. But I do think that the internships where I put my pride and my nerves aside and I tried to make those in-person connections, which I know right now a lot of internships are remote. And that actually might help in terms of a little bit of like the shyness that you could have. Ping someone on Slack, message them on Google Hangout. You'll have that like distance and that comfort. 
But if you are in person, try to make friends with as many people as possible. Those people will become mentors and will show up later when you need a job. So I would say building those relationships once you're there is key. And most of the time, those people want to help you. If you go out of your way to say, hey, like, can we grab a coffee or do you have a minute to chat or I'm working on this thing and I know you do X, Y, Z, they want to talk to you about that stuff. Like, they were in your position at some point in time. It may have been five years ago. It may have been 20 years ago. But they know what it's like to break through and they want to be there for you, right? Like, they're the people that are going to help you excel. Even if it's just somebody you have a loose relationship with their connection on LinkedIn and you just keep up with casually, like... Those people count, you know? Totally. And, you know, when, you, and when you're at the internship, there's, there's also hard parts, too, besides just making friends. Like, sometimes when you do make friends, people want to bring you in on a project and have you help with certain things. Um, and you, you know, you got to want to say yes to all these opportunities that are going to be available. You want to jump at every chance that you get and, you know, stay late and be helpful and if you have if you have the capacity to say yes to an opportunity absolutely do it but you know don't don't say yes to everything just because you feel obligated to like make sure it's something you want to do something you're interested in don't let your internship just tell you to let it become just grabbing coffee for everybody you're not just a grunt you're not just here to shepherd around people's lunches like you are here to work and to learn and they're supposed to be teaching you as much as you're learning from them and you might have to grab the coffees which i have done many a times but like alexis is saying you also have to like take matters into your own hands and make an internship experience what you need it for you your supervisor your cohort and the people near you are not going to craft whatever you need to take away from that experience so yes I'm grabbing coffees, but I'm also strategizing on how I can see this person needs help with this. And it, it really does take you being willing and vocal to go for it for yourself. You need to advocate for yourself and plan for yourself. No one's going to do it for you. So grab those coffees. And while you're on your way to Starbucks, be thinking about how you're going to come to your boss and present yourself and, and be willing to do things outside of that. Yeah, and in order to be able to do that, you have to have ideas. Whether they're good, whether they're bad, whether they stick or they don't, people might laugh at them. It doesn't matter. Have ideas that you're willing to pitch and you're willing to stand by and that you want to work out. I remember in my second internship, my supervisor made all of the interns have a running list of story ideas that we wanted to pursue. They could be little, they could be small, it could be on an event, it could be on anything. But she said to us, like, I should be able to turn to you any day of the week and say, so what do you want to work on now? What's next on your list? She said, I do that. And she, you know, has been in this position for however long and has been on this team for however long. So when someone is telling you in the position that you essentially want to get to, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, take that advice. It's important. And you should show up every day wanting to work willing to do new things and try new things and sometimes it might not be something you want to do and maybe this is slightly contradicting the advice we gave earlier but make sure you're willing to push yourself and step out of the comfort zone because otherwise you're just going to get into a rut and a grind of doing the same kind of things and falling into the same type of routine when it comes to work and you're not going to have any idea of the other possibilities or the other things you might even be remotely interested in. It helps you figure out 
what stuff you do like. It helps you narrow down the kind of career path you want. And sometimes it's going to be through, you know, doing a type of reporting that you're not super interested in, but that's okay. And it helps you learn. And that's what the whole process is about is learning and, you know, learning how to become a journalist or what part of the industry you want to be in. Yeah. And speaking of things that you don't necessarily want to always do, Alexis, thanks for mentioning that because that's super real, especially when you're starting off. One of my first news internships, I was at Fox um, helping out their transmissions team, which is like a super tech experience. And at least at Fox, I didn't want to help out editorially, but I did want to get certain skills that I can help um, grasp from the newsroom that I can then sort of like take to other newsrooms. And again, it's like strategizing what opportunities you have in front of you. But that being said, while I was at Fox, there were definitely moments where things hit the fan and you had to think on your feet. And that's really news, right? A perfect example of this was a Saturday morning and we had Sean Spicer on Fox. He was in one of our studios. And I, during this summer of being a transmissions intern, would have to mic up and put IFB into our guest's ears which it's basically just like the earpiece that you put into a guest and they can hear back whatever it is that the anchor is trying to you know talk to them about so I would mic I mic'd him up I put his his IFB in I run back to the transmission control room and from there I have to actually feed the correct audio into the guest ear we have a bunch of different studios though so there's a bunch of different transmission lines going out long story short sean's on his his hit starts and the anchor is like talking to him and while they're talking to him he was just like blankly looking at the screen as though he was waiting for something but it was live and the anchor was talking to him and i was like i started panicking i'm like wait a minute does he not hear it and so in control room, I like listened and I could hear what he heard. And I had him listening to literally some other transmission line, like some like Sky News International thing. Like it wasn't what he was supposed to be hearing. And I just started panicking and I'm like, this is live TV. Like I'm about to get fired. And luckily, you know, I thought on my feet, I like screamed at my supervisor that was like a few rows ahead. I'm like, hey, listen, Spicer's IFB is wrong, but I'm trying to find the right one. And I thought fast, I got it right in time, and I got to speak into his ear like, hey dude, sorry, but I'm about to get you the right audio. The anchor just asked you this, please be prepared to answer this type of question. Switched it, he got the last half of her question and started answering it. But a lot of the stuff that we deal with is very, you know, high intensity thinking on your feet. And this was a scenario where I almost fell flat on my face, but I didn't. And a lot of those moments are that, of just like, you know, not being perfect and figuring it out. So don't think that once you get there, it's all going to be peaches and cream. You're going to be, you know, thrown to the ringer and you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. And you know what? When you're at an internship, mistakes will happen. I've made some. uh, I Definitely the most embarrassing one that I made was when I was interning at HuffPost, which was a fantastic internship. I loved being there. Um, And one of the cool things about 
that internship specifically was the lunch situation where they gave you $15 worth of Grubhub to use for lunch every day, which was absurd. I thought it was fake when they told me at first. because I was like, that's too much lunch. Uh, but they were very serious about how much lunch you were able to get. So I was I was living that summer. Um, I ordered Vapion. I ordered everything. <laughs> um, oh delicious. But one day in particular, I was trying to like check the price of something i don't i don't even know how it happened but i i ordered my lunch and i went downstairs to get it and i come up and everyone else in the office is kind of like giggling and i'm like what's going on and um one of my coworkers looks over and she goes did you use my lunch money to buy your lunch and i stood there truly mortified i was like oh my god, I can't believe I ruined this woman's lunch for the day. And I, like, run back to my laptop, and I check my receipt, and it says her name on my receipt instead of my name because I just totally used her whole (laughs) lunch money. Thankfully, somebody was out that day, so she did was still able to order herself lunch. But I was like, I'll buy you lunch. I'm so sorry. Like, I can't believe I did that. I remembered getting a text from you that day, and I was like, you did full A full panic. And I'm sure I'm sure she doesn't even remember. Uh, Jennifer Bendry, if you're listening, I'm sorry I ate your lunch that day. I was an intern. Please forgive me. But that's okay, because things happen, and they know things happen, and nobody These was mad. Happen. It is okay <laughs> to make mistakes. Alexis, that sounds like a classic intern story, like straight out of a movie. Like, just like a horror story <laughs> that you live with to this day, and it's almost just funny to relive and to listen to um a true office tragedy exactly I don't know that I necessarily had a singular experience where I was like in that moment that I look back and I was like whoa total mishap but I remember when I was studying abroad and I was interning at Forbes I kind of perpetually felt like a fish out of water like Mm. I was the little American intern in this London European Bureau of an American company. So it was a really weird position to be in. But in that newsroom in particular, it was super small. There were like six of us. And everyone there was just super smart and super bright. And they knew everything going on in the world. They knew American news and they knew the news in the UK because of Brexit. And they knew it was going on in Europe and even stuff going on in Africa. And I was like, whoa. I was like, I do not belong here. I was like, I do not have any concept of any of the things that you're talking about. And I would just sit in the meetings and take notes like I was supposed to do. And then they would turn to me every day and be like, so what do you, what do you have to say? What's going on? Like, what are you paying attention to? And that's when I looked around and I was like, okay, you need to get it together. You need to pull your head out of your American butt and you need to think about what is going on as you're here, right? Like, I really had to step it up in that role because, one, the newsroom was so small, and two, all of these people would have thought I was a mega idiot and a quintessential (laughs) American. Like, I was fitting the stereotype so well. So it was really a matter of, like, rising to the occasion and not even stepping, like, leaping and diving so far out of your comfort zone that you just had to make it work. Like, there was no choice, and... Of course, every internship has a little bit of that. Like, you're starting something new, and it's a different group of people, and it's, like, a maybe different vibe, whatever it is, a different beat, blah, blah, blah. But this really felt like such a categorically different experience. I had no idea how to survive. And you just figure it out because you don't have a choice. Or you look like an idiot, and nobody ever is going to want to hire you again. So, anyway, but that is just on a bigger level or, like, a 
less specific story where I was like, oh, Jesus, this isn't going to go well. And in all these scenarios, we were, you know, interns that made it. We got in there and we had some mishaps, but there's also scenarios where you don't get it. And that's totally okay, too. Yeah, I think there are definitely times when you get the rejection and you just have to live with it. And you keep going, right? I think I have a story that Mariah was not aware of until I told her. And Alexis (laughs) still does not know, so I cannot wait to tell it. Oh, I'm so excited to hear this. So I was interviewing for an internship with NBC Washington. Local newsroom, super cool, digital team, whatever it was. And I was wrapping up, and the woman interviewing walked me out into the lobby to say, see you later. And who do I see there? Mariah Spada. I did not know her. I just knew of her because we were both journalism majors. And I remember thinking, oh, God, this girl has so much experience. She's interned everywhere. She, I, I don't even, I barely knew you at that point, but I just knew that you were a journalism god. And I was like, I'm not going to get this internship. I walked away. I was like, I've had one internship. I have no experience compared to this girl. And I remember being so paranoid and so self-conscious weeks later when I hadn't heard yet, I would like go on and check her LinkedIn and like her Twitter to be like, oh my gosh, did she say if she got it yet or not? I was in a spiral like if you ask the people around me they would be like you're out of control but which is so funny because I was sitting in the lobby head down I didn't see Brie just because I was in the shuffles being really overwhelmed and anxious about the interview and I was also having like a really personally hard difficult day which also happens like sometimes the days you have to like show up and be your best could also just be like days that you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and that was one of those days for me and so for Bree she's like seeing me in the lobby like oh my gosh this girl's here and for me I was just like being my own worst enemy having a really rough day and being overwhelmed by just the process of having to interview for a position at NBC4 and ultimately guys I didn't get it and again that was okay and I know someone that did get it. And we actually ended up becoming best friends. Years later. <laughs> Fast forward to a year and a half later. And we're in London together. We become best friends. But in that moment, she was like my mortal enemy. And I was like, all I remember were her pink booties as she was standing in that lobby. And I was like, I need red. They this were internship. Red. red. Apologies. <laughs> I need this internship. And it's like my foot in the door and this is the way I'm gonna make it and so you know what you never know how it's gonna work out you never know how the other girl in the interview is gonna affect your life okay now we're each other's biggest supporters when I didn't get it I was like I didn't get it like who got it like who who could have gotten this and like again so full circle it's my freaking co-host on this journalism podcast where we all ended up where we needed to be and we all share our journeys, how we got there, and I wasn't supposed to get that internship, and, you know, it feels full circle now, but it'll always be full circle for whatever situation you're in. It's okay that you didn't get it. It's a part of the journey, too. Wow, I did not know that about you guys, but now now I'm really glad I do. That's so crazy that you saw each other in the same office, but you're still here, and I think that just really speaks to how many amazing people there are in the industry like how much really serious competition is out there and 
it can be really immediate like it's the people you have on your social media timeline oh my god social media and the imposter syndrome when you're applying to internships can get so bad like you can just look at somebody's feet you can you can be applying for whatever job and then see someone who got it like literally post about it on facebook or twitter or whatever and that can be really hard sometimes because i remember the whole because i remember you know before i got some of the internships i was really proud of all the rejections that had to come before that like there's a lot of wins but you people will be people are really willing to post their wins on social media but you don't but that means you don't see all the the mess ups and rejections and missed opportunities either so i remember the summer the spring semester i got npr uh i finally and i finally got that acceptance letter i remember the months before that just being disappointment and like crying at every other rejection letter that I got I was so worried I wasn't even going to have an internship for the fall let alone a paid one let alone a paid one at NPR and it's really it was really stressful but I remember seeing everybody else post like you know their their life updates or their summer updates and I didn't want to just hop on that bandwagon because I had been feeling that imposter syndrome of like, should I even be here? Should I even be applying to these opportunities, you know? And I made the opposite decision. I got on Facebook and wrote this whole long post and it decided to attach screenshots of all of my rejection letters. Every rejection letter I could find in my inbox from that semester, I screenshotted and posted on Facebook. And you know people really resonated with it they resonated with the fact that they had also gone through it and also been feeling those same kind of imposter syndrome feelings through that whole internship application process at the end of that facebook post i wrote this piece of advice that i think is really that i think is really good so i just wanted to share success is where preparation meets opportunity do everything you can so you're ready to become everything you were meant to be I'm getting emotional. I was going to say, the tear is rolling down my face. I think, Alexis, what you did in that moment was, like, break up the echo chamber of toxicity. Like, everyone loves to post on LinkedIn. I got this. I got that. On Twitter, my, you know, some personal news. Like, great to hear. And I'm so proud of you and congratulations. But that's just not the reality of everything. You know there were tons of loss and tons of rejection to get to that moment. And people don't really talk about it. I mean... It was my first instinct to check social media to see if Mar got the internship over me, right? Like, it's speaking exactly to that. That's what it is. It's real. And I think we all go through it. People are just less willing to talk about it because they think it's a reflection on themselves that they're not qualified or it means that they're less than. And that's just so far from the truth. You're just not fit for that opportunity because that person hiring didn't think so. That's all that it means. It means nothing else. Totally. And I think, I think too, like, it's important to sit in that for a minute because then when the opportunity does come and you are in the internship, there are oh. moments there are moments that you just like you relish. Like you're like, this is what I got to do, this is where I got to be. And the experiences I got to have, you know, like it means so I, much more. It does. It makes it that much more fulfilling and worthwhile, I think. I think we each have a memory that we want to share about an internship in um in particular 
And for me, I will share one from NBC4, so I'm sorry to rub it in, Mariah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to share I'm one so from NBC4. About it. She's still a little salty. Just kidding. She's at Time Magazine, and she just wrote a freaking cover story for Time Magazine. Holy we did not crap. take a minute let's, to let's recognize Let's take a minute that. and get game recognizes game right here, because that's... I am snapping it up. I've never been more proud. Uh, oh, my God. I just, we I cannot believe it. We have a cover girl it. in our midst, so we're just, we're just taking a second to appreciate it. <laughs> I love you guys. Check it out. It's all over social media. We're all super proud, and we shared it a million times. So go take a look. <laughs> We're like, you know those annoying people that just post their victories? Well, we posted some victories last week. <laughs> because it's one that you should be posting and celebrating. Right. But to be fair, to get there, we have these highs in other experiences in our internships that I think we all kind of remember with fondness, you know? Like, you're like, gosh, that's such a fun thing to think back on. And for me personally, when I was intern- interning at NBC4... They cover the local DMV. The year that I was there, it was 2018, so it was midterm elections. And obviously, we weren't covering the, nation- the national scale of the elections, what was going on. But um, there was a Virginia Senate race, and there was a debate going on in Northern Virginia. NBC4 was covering it, and they obviously were shipping out, like, you know, the producers for the show, and they had people from the network come in, like Chuck Todd and Mark Murray and, like, these big people who talk about politics to talk about this local race. And they were like, hey, it's your shift that you're usually on that night. Do you want to go and do social media for them? And I went, me? Do social media? Like, I was shocked. I was like, I know that this is part of the internship, but... I'm going to be the one posting on our Snapchat and our Instagram and, like, curating this stuff. I was floored. And I got to go, and I was just, like, bopping around the thing and talking to the president of news at the network. And people got to know who I was because I was the only intern there. And they're like, hey, what's up? Like, come have dinner with us. Come here. Come there. Meet this person. Take these pictures. And it was such a cool experience that I got to do it. And... It's one of those things, like you said, you got to be prepared. You got to be in the right place and you got to be prepared to do it because they wouldn't have asked me if I was just, you know, keeping my head down in the internship. It's like you got to make yourself known and then they're going to pick you and they're going to put you in the position to go do the thing. So (laughs) it's something I look back on and I still smile when I think about it because it was such a fun night. It was like the excitement of news and everything was going on and it was a big deal and at least in my mind at the time. And it's just something fun that I like to look back on and think about from that internship. I love that. I feel like that reminds me of a night that I had at CNN um, my senior year where they allowed a few of us interns to help out on Nevada caucus night, which during any election to just be an intern in some of these places is just really surreal. And I'm just happy that I got to do Nevada, not Iowa night uh, for various (laughs) reasons. But this specific night... You know, it was high intensity, and they had me in the studio, and I was, you know, helping make sure everything was okay, grabbing coffees, um, doing the thing. And, you know, I'm standing, you know, by the wings, and I'm seeing Van Jones and Andrew Yang and Anderson Cooper, and this stellar panel that is just breaking apart all of the returns for Nevada. And while that's happening, one of the directors... Uh, for the f- the floor directors who really just kind of like controls when everyone needs to you know transition look at certain cameras close out go to commercial he was someone um, that I had just sort of made a friendship with over the weeks and he was really excited to see that I was in the studio this night he didn't think that I would be there so during one of the segments 
he kind of like chews me over to where he is right by the camera you know and I'm by the side so I go over to him thinking he has to tell me something and he legitimately just takes off his over-the-head headphones and just puts them on me without even giving me like permission to like you know say yes or no so I just hear like like the control room basically and I'm standing in front of basically Anderson Cooper and this the his his camera standing next to it with the mic with the headphones van jones is literally giggling because he sees that i'm i'm freaking out and he's just like yeah like you got it sis you got it and the guy basically gives me like this piece of paper and he's like just listen to like the, the audio and just like close anderson out like when you hear him need to close out close it out and i would say during that moment i just had this really weird sensation because i Growing up, my mom has always just, like, been a news buff and always had the news on, especially, like, 7 or 8 o'clock, she's home and she's watching CNN. And so I knew that my mom was, like, home in Brooklyn watching Anderson Cooper read this return, but that I was in front of him in this really weird matrix about to close him out. And so, long story short, we did, and it was fine, and we went to commercial, and I didn't like completely <laughs> fail but it was moments like that where it's like you know you have these rejections or you have a sean spicer mess up or you do all these things but it leads to moments where you're in rooms that you're in the room where it happens and and you are able to live up to it so i would say that was like a real a moment that really stuck with me where it really felt worth it and it really felt you know, surreal and proud to just to be there, even if it's as an intern, you know, getting snacks in the stands, but then getting rushed in to help Anderson Cooper go to commercial. Wow, that that sounds amazing. And, you know, internships, yeah, you totally reminded me of being an NPR and how amazing that experience was. If you have stayed for the Tiny Desk content, welcome to the Tiny Desk content section. <laughs> We've made, <laughs> You've it, made it. So uh, NPR was just a fantastic summer. Like the the program itself was great. I always say it felt like I got paid to be at summer camp. Like it was kind of that much fun. Like the other, the cohort I was with was a fantastic group. We still have like a Facebook chat. Shout out to the NPR Facebook, 2018 Facebook group. Um, they were just such an interesting and amazing group of people who still make who still who are still in you know the public media space and are still making news um and i'm so glad i got to meet them and network with them uh and be friends with them i spent like half the summer sleeping on some girl's couch just because we'd hang out so long um she's not some girl she's fantastic and i spent the whole summer sleeping on her couch because we went to this internship together but it was um it was amazing to just see all these people outside of that. And then the tiny desk, the tiny desks were so cool. You just got to go downstairs and see a concert with your lunch every couple of days. I um this is I'm gonna like brag a little bit, but I I got to see Erica Badu, I got to see Yo Yo Ma, I got to see Mac Miller. You took me to see I took me to see TI. TI had like a live percussion section. It was great yes. oh my goodness like the live version of the concert of of music you wouldn't even expect needed a live version were so cool and it's just happening in the office like somebody's desk 
is right there. Like, my friend Emily, whose couch I slept on, her desk was directly across from the tiny desk. I would show up and, like, sit at her desk and, like, chill with her just so I could get a really, like, front row view of whoever was performing. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if I was, like, the world's best education intern, but being at NPR really made me feel like I wanted to, to be in media and stay in media. And, like, that was the cool part of, you know... Yeah, yes, the tiny gets to get shared with everybody else on the internet, but, like you got to be in it first. Like you got to see it happen and watch this thing that people revel on, you know, revel on YouTube in the comments, like, and you got to be there to see it live. And that's just the coolest part of news is just watching it happen. I really wish I was your friend at that point in your life. Alexis. Oh, I would have, I would have brought you. jealous that I missed out <laughs> on the tiny desk concerts, but I'm glad I'm here now. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, but that's, like, so fun to hear. And you know what? Like, it really is the fun things and the cool things that you remember and that you appreciate. Like, of course, you loved writing stories and you loved reporting, and that is all fun. But it's, like, the little extra stuff that you take with you because once you get to the real world, work is slightly less fun and a little more serious. <laughs> and it's nice to just Very have true. those memories from the early days of internships, you know? Absolutely. It was so I, I'm always I'm always grateful. The experiences that I've had, even the mis- the mistakes that I've had to learn from, it was just so worth it um, to, to fail and try and try again and, you know, end up where you want to be. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you learned a lot and we'll chat again soon. Bye. Bye. And now for the TKs. Here's what's to come. On our next episode, special guest Penny Commit will discuss how internships influenced her journey to becoming an on-air reporter for News Channel 10 in Amarillo, Texas. And you can find us on Twitter at j2j underscore podcast, where you can sign up for our newsletter. 